Well, it's my privilege uh, to introduce our, our next guest speaker. Um, I am taking a break for this summer. Uh, I need it. You need it too. You need to hear a different voice. And quite frankly, the voice that you're about to hear today is way better than mine. Uh, if you've been here before, you know that he is our Puerto Rican uncle. Um, and if you never met him before, he will quickly become your Puerto Rican uncle. He is someone that is a dear friend to me, uh, someone that I look up to so much. And, um, and when he gets to heaven, he's going to have a mansion. Some of us are going to live in dog houses. Uh, but when we get there, promise to invite some of us over to your place. So as he comes forward, can we give it up for Pastor Edwin Colon? I am so grateful to be with you. Um, I'm thrilled that we get to open up God's Word and hang out together. My name is, like Aaron said, Edwin Colon. I pastor a church, uh, the Next Step Community Church in Brooklyn, where, um, where God gets glorified and people get transformed. It's really, really neat. I'm super thrilled, super thrilled to be with you um, in this session. But here's what I know. I come from a different culture than perhaps the one that you come. So there's a cultural difference between us. But more than that, there's an age difference between us, right? You guys are like, what, 15? I'm like, what, 105, right? And so there, there, there might be uh, some things that I say here that can uh, be funny in my um, culture, but like really offensive in your culture. So what I'm going to ask is that you would extend grace and that you would wait till August for Aaron to fix everything that I messed up <laughs> today, if that's okay with you. And I am, as Aaron said, uh, your uh, Puerto, I, I say I'm your crazy Puerto Rican uncle who gets invited once a year. So don't worry, it won't be too tough. Um, I, wanna, I do want to pray for us. Um, I was speaking um, to the uh, earlier congregation, and I just sensed that the Spirit of God was moving and touching hearts, and I'm, I'm begging him to do the same here because we we're going to talk about some really, listen to me, we're going to talk about some heavy things today, okay? I know you didn't come, I don't know if you came with the expectation that it was going to be really, really heavy, but it's going to be kind of heavy, all right? So um, we're going to ask Jesus to help us all um, navigating through his word and finding out what he would say to us. So let's do that. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity, this incredible privilege, this honor that, that we get to just open up your word and we get to look at it and, and ask you to break our hearts and draw us to yourself. And so, Lord, I pray for every person here. Um, I pray for those who are um, just kicking the Christian tires and not sure what they believe, but just somebody invited them over. I pray that you would be a comfort to them and draw them to yourself. I pray for those who have believed for years um, to be convicted by your spirit, to grow deeper and to seek your face. I pray for those who are here who are feeling like this is the last house on the block. They're desperate and they're only here because they're desperate. Lord, would you speak to them? Would you remind them that you brought them here for a purpose and that you love them? It was your love that drew them here. And so would you speak to us through your word? Would you help us to uh, apply it to our lives and that we would give you great glory? For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
So I have um, six kids, right? Six kids, no TV in my house. And so um, uh, my oldest is 30 um, and just graduated NYU Law and is studying for the bar. Sorry, ladies, he's in uh, Portland right now, so you're gonna have to, don't worry, there's like a thing that you guys do where you meet other people so you can do the meet and greet thing there. And then my youngest is um, our, uh, our daughter, Isabella, who uh, mother left her in the hospital and um, she's uh, still kicking heroin. And um, so you could pray for her. And then we got, uh, in between that, we got uh, Serenity, Grace, Lydia, and David, who I'm sure is going to try to either blow up the world or take over the world. I'm not sure, but he's like, he's my heart. He's my road dog. And so um, I'm super grateful to be here with you. Well, David, I was with David and I went, uh, we went, uh, he went with my wife to the library, got a book out. When he opened up the library book, there was this super dope bookmark. I don't know if you've ever seen a super dope bookmark. Have you ever seen one of those? Like glittery, really cool. He's nine years old. So we took it out and it was like, whoa, that's a really nice bookmark. And he said, wow, this is great. He turned it over and had a name of a kid who was in his grade, not in his class, but in his grade at his school. And so we took the bookmark and we said, oh, that's fantastic. What good fortune we have. We get an opportunity to return to him something that he lost. What a blessing we get to be in his life. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that, Ba. And I was like, you don't want to do that. Why don't you want to do that? Now, I thought that he was going to answer me and say something like this. Um, well, this is a really nice bookmark, and I want to keep it for myself because it's so nice and glittery and shiny and all that other stuff, to which he, we would have had a conversation about covetousness. Or he could have said, you know what? This kid is in another classroom. It's going to be tough to get to his floor. It's going to be even tougher to get into his classroom. I don't want to go all that way and bring this thing. It's going to be a lot of work, to which we would have had a conversation about perseverance and doing what's right, even when it's hard. But he didn't. He said, he goes, but I don't want to do it. I go, why? Because he hurt me. I was like, wow, well, that, that feels like there's a conversation there. And so we started to talk. And in fact, we started to talk about the very same text that we're going to discuss here today. Because here's what I know. Whether you're a nine-year-old or you're a 90-year-old, whether you're in my culture or in another culture, everywhere I go, I know that whoever I speak to is dealing with pain and hurt and difficulty. Like, it doesn't matter how much money you make or how little. It doesn't matter if you came from a drug-addicted background or you don't have any of those vices. The fact is, is that every one of us will experience hurt and betrayal, woundedness and scars. Every one of us will experience the kind of pain that we don't want to talk about in rooms like this and will act like it doesn't exist. See, here's what I know. If I pass this microphone out to the person sitting in your seat you would have a story to share with us that if all of us heard it, we would weep with you and for you. But how do we deal with that hurt? How do we deal with the kind of wounds that come our way when the tears don't stop falling, when the heart doesn't stop 
breaking, when we feel betrayed by those we put our trust in and we feel harmed by those we thought were going to protect us. What do we do? Well, the good news is, is that God in his word gives us some guidance and instruction on what to do with the hurts of our hearts. But it's deep and it's heavy. So I want to warn you about some of the defenses that Satan will give you to not hear the message that we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about your deep wounds. And even, if I, even as I say that, I can imagine some of you are thinking about your deep wounds. What do you do? Well, some of the defenses that Satan will give to your mind before we even get to the text will be, hey, you know what? I wish Susie was here because she really needs to hear a message about brokenness and harm and hurt and all that other stuff. I want you to just fight against that temptation. I don't want you to dive into that. I, I want you to, listen, you know who this message is for? The person sitting in your seat. I want you, those of you who have been harmed in the past and you go, you know what's in the past, I don't want to deal with it, just, let's just move on, let's just go from it. I want you to know that there's a way that God leads you to deal with it. In my community, there's two ways that we deal with the hurts and the harms that come our way. And one is a, uh, a stuffing down, like a repression. I'm not going to bring it up, I'm not going to talk about it, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to hold it in. And there's just that, sort of that stuffing. And the other is an explosion where, oh my goodness, I mean, just collateral damage everywhere. And what we're saying here is that the Bible, the scriptures, that God himself is going to lead us not to do one or the other, and certainly not something in the middle, but rather a third way, a different way, a gospel way for dealing with our wounds. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been wounded. I could tell you stories. I was born into a household where my mother was a paranoid schizophrenic and also was bipolar, and my father was an alcoholic. I remember still, of course, how could you forget these things, when an uh, older gentleman invited me into a room where he locked and double-locked the door, and horrible, terrible, awful things happened. Soul-scarring things happened that day. In fact, I can remember um, just a, uh, about a decade or so ago, maybe a little bit more, where I was walking towards the street and a car was coming up to a stop sign, but you know, it's Brooklyn, so you don't know if anybody's going to stop, so you just kind of wait. And, they, and he just kind of came up, and the person sitting in the passenger seat was the same guy who had invited me into that room. And he stuck his tongue out at me, and I froze. I didn't know what to do. They hadn't really dealt with that kind of shame and the kind of harm and the hurt and the brokenheartedness and the questions that it brings up about sexuality and all that other stuff. I just hadn't dealt with it. And so I just froze. And then he sped off. So I need what the gospel says about broken hearts. I need what the gospel says about hurt souls. I need it, and I suspect that you do too. So with that, 
We're going to go into today's text. Now, if you would, would you indulge me? Make me feel at home. At our church, what we do is we stand at the reading of God's Word. Would you indulge me by standing? And the reason that we're going to stand is because God's Word is we want to remind our bodies that God's Word has authority over how I feel or what I think or a cultural moment. And so we stand to remind ourselves, oh yeah, wait, God has, His Word has more authority than all those things. And so um, we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 12. All of our points, everything that we're going to look to is going to be gotten from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Here's what the Word of God says. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low positions. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. So in our church, here's what we do. We have one point. We're a one-point church. And the reason that we have one point is I'm totally convinced that nobody in our church can remember more than one point. But I think you guys are the AP class. So I'm going to give you one point, and I'm going to give you five points leanings, five um, paths, five uh, helpful ways to apply that one point. Does that make sense? So I encourage you, if you got pen, pencil, or mascara, write down some of the points that I'm going to give you. But I realize even as I just said that, that y'all don't write nothing down anymore. So go ahead, take your thumbs out and uh, make the points on your phone and uh, because, you know, it, it's just, it'll be helpful because here's the fact, even if you're not hurting right now, you will be one day and you'll need uh, the message that we're talking about. So the big idea for today is to trust God with the hurts of my life, that God can be trusted with the hurts of our lives. I didn't pull that out from the air. It's right here in your text, Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says 
the Lord. Trust God with the hurts of my life. And that could be the, that could be the most incredible thing you've ever heard from any pulpit. Trust God with the wounds of my life, with the betrayals, with the hurts. It feels like so unfair. I mean, right? Like we're right there at the corner. The person who's harmed of, who's harmed us, he's not only not repentant, he's mocking us openly. And I'm just like in that moment, I'm just like, God, this is not right. This is not fair. They should be punished. There's no real recourse. There's no real recourse that I can take. He's getting away with it all. And God says, I'll take care of vengeance, Edwin. You take care of trusting me with it. I'll take care of vengeance. God, it's not right. They deserve to pay. It's not okay what they did. It's not right that they should have gotten away with this. But there are things that I don't see. And there are things that you're taking care of. And I can trust you. Even with the scars on my soul. So that's the big idea for today. God can be trusted with your hurts. Listen to me. God can be trusted with your hurts. God can be trusted with your hurts. Your hurts. The ones that you lived with. The secrets that you keep. The harms that you walk with. God can be trusted with those hurts. Because he says he's good enough to handle them. But how do we do that? Let's look at five. We're going to look at five. It's more than any memory can take. So I want you to write it down. But here's the first one. How do we trust God with our hurts? Here's, here's the first um, here's the first like step that we can take. First is, pray for those who've harmed me. Do you see that in the text? It's right there in Romans chapter 12, verse 14. It's right there in our text. He says, "Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse." Bless those. That word bless, the same word can be used for prayer. Pray for those who have harmed me. I remember, this is a couple of decades back, it's a few decades back. I was, uh, the first time I was like confronted with this was um, there was a guy, I, I had just gotten like, right, I come from an addicted background, right? And I messed up the early part of my life really bad, did some really awful things. And so... Uh, so I, 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 you know, God was very gracious, and I started a new job, and it was sort of like, you know, the bottom of the ladder, but there was another guy who was there with me. He was the nephew of the owner of the, the business, and he, um, which, he's like trying to get me fired. He's telling my boss uh, uh, things that I didn't do, that he's saying that I'm doing. He's taking credit for my work. Um, and I was just furious because, of course, I had, you know, I was with my wife and we had our first of our, you know, six kids and I didn't know how I was going to provide for them and I didn't have a, forget high school, I didn't have a junior high diploma. I mean, I, I was just happy to be working. And, and he was putting all of that in jeopardy. So I was so mad, I was so angry that I was, I was talking to 
a friend of mine who I trusted who was wiser than me. And um, I said, man, I'm so angry. This guy's trying to get me fired. I'm going to hurt him. And we had this dark alley that we had to walk down into the side door in order to get into the, dark, uh, in, into, the, into the place where we worked. And I was telling my friend, I said, I'm going to get a bat and I'm going to break like one of his kneecaps. I said one of his kneecaps because God was doing a work in my life. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't going to go all out. It's just one. And so, um, but God was doing a work in this guy's life too. And he said this. He said, Ed, why don't you pray for him? I was like, clearly you have not been listening to what I've been saying. Pray for him. This guy's trying to, you know, he's trying to take food out of our table. This guy's not, I'm not going to pray for this guy. He goes, Ed, Ed, just pray for him. And I respected him enough that I took a suggestion. And it was incredible. This guy did not change one bit. <laughs> but God started to do something in my heart. I only knew th three things about him. There was only three things that I knew about him. One is that he was selling his car. Two is that he must have messed up some things in his life if he's in the same place that I am with an uncle like this, right? And three, that he was having trouble with his girlfriend. I could hear them. Um, it wasn't eavesdropping. It was obvious. Um, <laughs> And, um, and so I just started to pray for those three things. I just started to pray for those three things. And God started to do a miracle in my own heart. I didn't hate him anymore. I didn't think he was the adversary. I just, I just saw him as a hurting person who was trying to hurt other people. And he started to change. That guy never changed. He might still be speaking bad about me all these years later. I don't know. And it doesn't matter. You see, if I'm going to trust God with the hurts of my heart, I need to trust him by first praying. And by the way, these, these steps are not necessarily sequential, but for me it worked out that way, where I just, it's just, I, I was going to pray. Just start there. Listen, we're light years away from forgiving. We're light years away from inviting them over for brunch. We're light years away from, we're light, just, listen, listen, listen. Pray. Pray. You could pray. You could pray. Whatever it is you know, you can pray for them. So I need to trust God with the hurts of my life. And the way that I do that is, firstly, I pray for those who've harmed me. The second thing that I do, and if I'm going to trust God with the hurts of my life, is to forgive those who've harmed me. First I pray, then forgive. Now this is heavy. This is heavy. We're going to have to take a little bit of time on this one, okay? Because this is heavy. See, whenever someone harms me, they open up like an account. You know what I'm saying? Like they open up a ledger book. They open up an account in my life, right? So if you, right, uh, if, you know, if my name is Susie and I had a great boyfriend and my best friend uh, took that boyfriend, then that opens up, that opens up a new relationship. And I open up an account and I write on it that Susie uh, took from me my boyfriend. It's a new account. It's like a debtor-debtee relationship. She now owes me something. She has taken something from me. That's what happens when you harm someone. A new relationship is birthed. In fact, we have language for this kind of debtor-debtee sort of relationship. We have language. It's like this. We'll say things like this. In our culture, we'll say things like, I'll pay 
you back. Or, or we say something like this. We'll go, I'll get even with you. Because intuitively, we know that there's a debtor-debtee relationship that has been created between us, and now you owe me something. God sees that. And here's the thing. When they open up that account, a lot of the stuff that they've taken from us, they can't give back. Like I, the first time my father started to deal with me, the, fa- the father in heaven for sure, started to deal with me on this issue was um, my wife. This is very funny. My wife, have you ever gone to a supermarket and see like the little sweepstakes things where it says, you know, fill this out and go to Aruba or something like that. Have you ever seen that in the supermarket? Maybe in Whole Foods they don't have it. But if you go to the bodegas and the um, supermarkets by my, my hood, they have them everywhere, right? And so there, no one ever wins those, right? Because my wife wins all of those. It's amazing. No, no, no. You have to understand. I went to like the islands. I don't know where it was. Like I, I always say Bahamas, but it could have been anywhere. It could have been like Istanbul. I don't know. It was just outside of Brooklyn. And so, um, so my wife won those, and I was on this like all expense cruise kind of thing, right? And and I was there, and I was like, I was having the time of my life, and it was in this environment that the Lord wanted to deal me deal with the bitter heart that I had towards my father. I like for real. We couldn't have done this in Brooklyn. We got to do this. Like The only one that I remember was there was an island called Nassau. And the reason I remember is because there's a street in my neighborhood called Nassau. And so I'm there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we, we got to deal with this now? And he was like dealing with it. And the Lord was leading me to write down what my dad owed me, the harm that he did me. And I was like, yo, you owe me the wisdom that you could have given to me that I had to get from the streets. You owe me guidance and correction when I was going in the very, very wrong way and you were too busy doing you. You owe me protection from some of the harms that came my way because you weren't there. And so... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm there, and I'm like, it's not right. He owes me. He needs to pay these things. But could you imagine? Like, let's imagine for one second. And the Lord just, like, you know, spoke to my heart. It's like, imagine, like, there was a knock. And my father doesn't think that he's done anything wrong. In fact, my father would be offended if I told him that I forgave him. And it's just that. It's just that way. Could you imagine he knocked on my door and, said, and I opened the door. I said, well, what a surprise. What are you doing here? And he would have said, Edwin, listen, the Lord, the Lord has changed my heart. I, I just want to come to you. And I, I'm so sorry for all the harm that I did for, um, to you through your childhood. I mean, literally, my father took blood out of us when he hit us. It was no joke growing up. I grew up in what you would call a crack house. It was awful. And he was like, Edwin, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the harm that I've caused you. Would you please forgive me? How could I make it right? If he asked me that question, my first response would be something like, I don't know, I've been too busy being bitter against you. I haven't really thought about how you can make this right. And then the second thought would be simple. It would be this. You can't. What are you going to do? Give me 12 years old back. 
What are you going to do? Give me my innocence back? What are you going to do? You can't give it back to you. You can't do it. Here, so God says this. Listen, I got an idea. Since they can't give you back that first marriage, since they can't give you back that trust, since they can't give you back your innocence, I got an idea. Why don't we take the ledger books and, listen, 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 close the book. Forgive them. We start by praying, and then we move by forgiveness, but and then you go, how do I forgive? Let me give you three quick suggestions on how to forgive. First one is that if you're going to create, and what I'm doing in these next three things is I'm trying to give you an environment, a, 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 a sort of a, a place where you can be prepared to forgive. It's not necessarily the road to forgiveness, but it's creating the environment for forgiveness. The first step, if you're going to forgive and you're going to create the environment for forgiveness, is like, number one, don't harm them directly. We call that revenge. Don't harm them directly, right? I'm not going to pay you back. I'm not going to get you back. I'm not, oh, you stole my girlfriend. I'm going to steal your kid or whatever you do. And, um, you know, right? So it's like, I'm not going to pay them back. I'm not, right? not going to do the revenge thing, right? The second thing I'm not going to do if I'm going to create an environment for forgiveness is I'm going to not only not cause you direct harm, I'm going to don't cause indirect harm, like gossip. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a person right now who's actively trying to harm me, actively trying to harm my reputation. No kidding, it's ugly. It's bad. And, and here's the thing. If, you know, let's call him Stan, right? His name is not Stan. Let's call him Stan. If you came up to me, right, because we're like real, real, real close friends. This is a deep betrayal. And so, like, if you, if you came up to me and, um, and you said, how Stan? In my worst moments, I would go, you would say, how Stan? I would go, Stan. Oh, Stan. Let me share with you what Stan has done. Let's pray for Stan. And then I would tell you all the awful things that Stan has done to me in the guise of prayer or something like that. Right? What am I doing? I'm gossiping about him. Even right now, I want to tell you his name. <laughs> True story. I might. I'm not well. But here's the deal. If we're, going to, if we're going to move towards forgiveness, right? That's funny, but it's true, isn't it, right? Like there's something in you that's like, oh, I, if, I can't get back, if I can't get them back directly, I want to get them back indirectly. Let's not do that. Let's, let's make room for forgiveness. The third way that we're going to make room for forgiveness or an environment for forgiveness is don't imagine harming them. That's like fantasy. And the reason I say this is, I don't know about you, but I am the number one heavyweight champion of the world of all the arguments that are in my head. Like, I never lose. I'm spectacular. I am, I'm witty. I'm very clever. I defeat arguments. They have no way to respond. They usually, in the, in the end of it, are like have their hands, and their, head, their face in their hands going, I was wrong. I was wrong. And I'm like, it's okay. I'll forgive you. Right? Like, it's like an awesome moment. I'm like fantastic at that. But that keeps me sick. And it'll keep you sick too. It'll make you bitter. Because what we're, we're talking about is trusting God with our hurts. And the first step we're going to have to take is to pray. The second thing we're going to have to do is learn to forgive. Third, and these will be a lot faster. We need to be at peace with them. Be at peace with them. 
Do you see this in Romans 12, 18? It says, the scriptures say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That I would be able to just go, okay, God, I'm just going to live at peace. Like the guy that I was telling you about who have, who's presently harming me now, I make 12-step meetings, and um, I was in my home group, 12-step uh, meeting home group, and, which means just a meeting I consistently attend. And um, I was there, and I have this terrible thing. I have this terrible thing about me, right? It's awful. You, you must, like, feel sorry for my wife. This is a, it's a bad thing. When I get nervous, I laugh. I laugh when I get nervous. My wife has given birth to six, well, actually four and two adopted, right? So my wife has given physical birth to four kids. Could you imagine how terrible that card ride was for her? I'm giggling while she's screaming in the back seat because I'm nervous and now she knows, but it's like a terrible thing. Like it's a terrible thing to live with if you're my wife, right? So I, when I get nervous, I laugh. And it's terrible because we'll have like real serious conversations and then I'll like get nervous because I'm wrong. And then I'll start giggling and she'll take, she's learned, it's 30 years later, so she's learned to receive that as like part of my penitence. So, um, so I, I'm, sitting in the, I'm sitting in that 12-step meeting that I was talking to about, and then that guy who is actively trying to hurt me, he walks into the 12-step meeting, and I start to giggle. I start to laugh, because I don't know, is, is it about to pop off? I don't know. I don't know. But because the laughter came out, and it came out like so loud and so uh, outraged, I just walked up to him, gave him a hug. I said, man, I'm glad you're here. And he didn't know what to do with that. And so it was like, Okay, listen, I can't control what he does. I can't control how he acts. And I can't be more mature than I am. That just came as a gift from the Lord. And so far as it is possible with you, be at peace with them. So if I'm going to trust God with the hurts of my life, I need to pray for those who've harmed me, forgive those who've harmed me, be at peace with them. And then fourthly, give them what they need. This is heavy. Give them what they need. Do you see that in Romans 12, 20? On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Finally, a verse I can get behind. <laughs> yes, that's what I want. Actually, the uh, heaping burning coals on his head is not what you and I think, even though we want to think like this will be, you know. I, could you imagine God going, okay, I want you to move towards healing. I want you to move towards forgiveness. I know, do something really harmful to them, right? Like God is not going to say that, right? So wh what it means to heap burning coals on their heads is to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to bring about conviction in their lives by not repaying them back what you think they deserve. In other words, and this is true. Boy, is this true with married couples. Isn't it true? Like when you're married, you have like a, you know, your spouse. And it, I know for me, it's happened so many times where I'm like, I don't know what happens in your, and I don't know like three or four of you are married, right? Because this is like a super young term. But for those three or four of you, here's what happens, right? I have special prayers. When my wife harms me or hurts me, I have very special prayers for her. There's something like this. Um, God, get her. <laughs> get her now. Make it feel, I want it Biblical. I want to see some sort of locust. Like, I, I just, so that's basically how I pray when my wife uh, hurts me. And so, 
The, what the Lord is speaking about in this text about heaping coals on her head is that when I am actively trying to fight against her, when I am trying to make vengeance mine rather than the Lord's, what I'm doing is I'm distracting her from her own, from the repentance that God wants to bring in her life. And I'm helping her to focus on my sin. You see what I'm saying? And so when I love on the people who have harmed me, when I provide what they need, when I give them what they need, what it does is it, it takes away the idea of whatever harm they feel I am giving to them. And it, what the heaping the coals is the coals of conviction that the Spirit of God can work in their lives. So if we're going to trust God with the hurts of our life, we're going to pray for those who've harmed us, forgive those who've harmed us, be yeah. up peace with those who've harmed us. Give them what they need. And then five, give them what they need humbly. Give them what they need humbly. Back to a marriage illustration. It is, gentlemen, it is so easy. Oh my goodness. It's so easy to um, be upset with our wives, give them what they need and do it in such a way that it's like a blow to the face. You know what I'm saying? Like something, take something like really like non-emotionally charged um, you know, wife goes, hey, uh, I want to go to the mall, uh, I want to go shopping, and husband goes, oh, oh, okay, I'll drive you. And there's a way to say, I'll go shopping with you or I'll drive you in a way that makes her feel honored, and there's a way to make her feel like a burden. And then you're like, you know, you're looking at your watch and you're going, honey, come on, it's been eight minutes, you know, we got to go, right? That's, that might be giving them what they need, but it's not giving them what they need humbly. Does that make sense? And so when we're going to give people what they need, we want to do it in a spirit of humility, always asking Jesus to give us what we don't have. Now, if you've been following along and if you've been paying attention to what I just gave you, right? So we're going to ask God to help us trust him with the hurts of our lives. And we're going to do it in five ways. Pray for those who've harmed us. Forgive those who've harmed us. Be at peace with them. Give them what they need and then give them what they need humbly. If you've been tracking me with that and you've been seriously paying attention, you go, oh, so this sermon is not for me because I am not willing to do half of what matter Half? I'm not willing to do any of this stuff. This stuff is way too much, right? I'm going to come to you in, in a simple message that's like 30 minutes or whatever, and I'm going to say, oh, yeah, forgive those people who have harmed you the most. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm so down because I've never thought about this. This is great. I'm going to let God do this. And it's, the fact is, is that none of us are like that. None of us are like that. We all, it's too much to ask. The text, right, it feels like it's asking too much until we realized until we realize that the text is not so much asking for something for us to do, but for something for us to recognize. You see, what we do when we look at this text is we see what Jesus has already done for us. See, the fact is that nobody has ever harmed me. Nobody has ever hurt me. Nobody has ever betrayed me like I've betrayed, harmed, and hurt our Lord and Savior. Nobody. And so how did Jesus treat me, the one whose sin caused him to go to the cross? Well, he prayed. Do you remember this? He's on the cross and he's literally, think about this. 
The nails are still sticking out of his hands. We're not talking about he got off the cross, went through seven years of therapy, and is now considering uh, trusting the Father with his hurts. No, 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 no. The the hurts, the wounds, the scars, they're not only fresh. The people are unrepentant and they want to see more blood. And he starts to pray for them. Remember what he prays? Father, forgive them. They're clueless. You see, and Jesus is praying, was praying that for you. Not only does he, he doesn't stop at just prayer, forgives. Remember the thief on the cross with Jesus? He looks over to Jesus, best he can hope for is for Jesus to think about him in some distant memory. And he goes, would you just remember me? And he goes, I tell you what, we're going to be roommates. I'll do better than think of you. I'll extend forgiveness that you don't deserve. Not only does Jesus pray, but he forgives, but he's at peace. Do you remember this? Do you remember how Jesus, like those who were far from Jesus, how he was at peace with them and he pursued them? There's this this woman. She's about to get pummeled with rocks. She was caught in adultery. And Jesus defends and comes up to her and he says, Hey, listen, there are no more rock throwers, and I got no more rocks. He he pursues to live at peace with those who have sinned against him. He gives them what they need humbly. Isn't that true? Like, and you know what's crazy? There's like, all right, do you remember this? Right, so there's like 10, maybe 12 um, of these lepers. They come to Jesus, and Jesus gives them all healing, and like 90% of them go away and never even appreciate or acknowledge the incredible healing. He gave them back their lives, and they don't even acknowledge it. It's like most of the people who have harmed us. And yet, he extends that, and he does it humbly, and they receive healing. You see, what we need to do is we need to recognize that we are the ones who have caused harm to God and God has responded to us in a way that is so loving that not only transforms our hearts and he can do it for us, that he does it through us. You see? And so as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, how he's prayed for us, how he's forgiven us, he's given us peace and he's given us what we need and he's done it humbly, then we can then recognize that we are the worst sinners in our relationship. We are the worst sinners in our relationships. Because anybody who's ever sinned against me has sinned against another sinful person. When I've sinned against Jesus, I've sinned against one who's holy, righteous, and pure, who's never done anything but love and pursue me. That's what he offers you. You see, This whole time, you might have been, like me, thinking about the person who has harmed you and how you need to do this for them and not recognizing that you yourself need this for you. My prayer is that you would receive that. And then as you think and meditate and receive that, that it would overflow and you would recognize, oh man, I want to give what I've been given. It's for you. It's for you all. Now, if you're here, and we're almost done. So, several different groups, right? Maybe, 
you're here and you're a Christian and you just needed to hear this and, and, and I'm gonna pray in a minute that God give you wisdom on how to apply what you just heard. But maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. And I would just, could you look at all the beauty, the beauty that God has done for you. And so I just, I would encourage you, I would invite you to receive that beauty and that wonder that Christ offers, the forgiveness of our sins. And so in our church, we say it like this. We go, we go um, it's as easy. Coming to Christ is as easy as A, B, that leads to two Cs. Let me give it to you quick. Right? A, admit. Admit that you've sinned against God. Don't be like my dad who feels like he's never sinned against me. That would be a mistake. No, no, no. Admit that you've sinned against God. And don't just say, I've, uh, I've sinned against God. But no, remember, that Saturday night at 3 o'clock in the morning or that week on spring break or that whatever your deal is, nobody laughed at that one because you're like, oh, man, don't, uh, don't talk about spring break. <laughs> spring break is off the books. Okay, so, but you're specific with him. Admit it. No more excuses. Oh, but I was drunk. Oh, but I was young. Oh, but I was dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are all true. But you still, you just come to him and just go, no excuses. Just, that's, that's, just admit it. A, admit. B, believe. Believe that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. That the sins, the punishment that our sins deserve, he took on himself. And he gave us his righteousness so that we might have communion or relationship with Jesus. A, admit, B, believe. And that, A and B, leads to two Cs. One, commit your body to Christ. Whatever these lips um, say, whatever these eyes look at, whatever these hands do, wherever these legs go, that I would commit my body to Christ. Jesus, I want to do what you want me to do. But not only I want you to commit your body to Christ, I want you to commit to the body of Christ. The church is called the body of Christ, which is why in a church like this, when there's so many new people that are coming, you don't do it on your own, but we gather together and we do the small groups and we have um, times where we eat together and we get to know each other and we get to recognize, oh, 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 I need to be a part of a community. I need to be a part of this community. And so we admit, we believe, we commit, to the bo- we commit our bodies to Christ, and we commit to this body of Christ. And you'll find an experience that Jesus bestows such love and forgiveness, because I'm telling you, listen to me, your grimy is no match for Jesus' grace. Your sin is no match for our Savior. Receive him. And as you receive him and recognize him and look to him as the one who's given you mercy and love, that that would so stir you to overflow mercy and love on those who have harmed you. That's my prayer for you. I hope you go in that direction. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together, one that we don't deserve And so, Lord, I ask that you would give us wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard. That, Father, if there was an awakening of harm and hurts and past, Lord, that we would receive from you grace to learn to bestow on others what you so freely bestow on your people. Help us, O God, to be surrendered to you. Help us to seek your face. Help us to know that you give forth mercy 
and love. And if you do it for us, Lord, would you go the next step and do it through us to those who have harmed us so that you might be glorified and our joy may be complete. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.